Birds of a feather flock together. You've heard it. It is old school. My mom has said it to me thousands of times. What we are going to talk about in this episode is auditing your friends, auditing your circle. It's highly, highly important. It can absolutely dictate your future. Welcome to the fourth episode of Success Convo. Thank you for listening. We have been getting tremendous feedback. This one is going to be awesome. It's an incredible topic. It's one that uh, is very close to home for me, Kate as well. So we are super pumped. I'm Ryan Ingle. Kate Carlisle. Hello, Kate. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm pumped to talk about this. What about you? Um, This is going to be a good topic. (laughs) I think it's an important one, but one that's not often discussed. I took the reins on this presentation. By the end of this podcast, you will know how important your friends are in your life, who they should be, how to choose them, and how to get away from the toxic friends, the ones that aren't actually helping you. So there's toxic people in your life that you need to remove ASAP. You are who your friends are. I'll tell you what, I'm going to take that statement, which is incredibly true, to the next level. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Ooh, I like that. You like that? It's absolutely true. Now... Let's do it like this. Well, wait a second. Let's step back. Let's talk about what we mean when we say friends. Because there are a lot of different categories of people we run into. So there's your buddies, which is like the two or three people that you're tight with. You share everything. You do everything together. And then it's here down from your buddies as your friends. And those are the people, maybe you've got 20 or 30 people that you, you hang out with, you socialize with, you talk to on a regular basis. Maybe you check in with them on Facebook. But they're not the people that you would tell your deepest, darkest secrets to. And then there's acquaintances. And acquaintances are sort of separate from this presentation because those are the people that you interact with in your day-to-day life, but you may or may not have a choice, right? So it's like your boss, your colleagues, people that are at your gym. Those are people that you know and talk to here and there. But they're not really your friends. Would you agree with that breakdown? I, I do agree with that breakdown. That was good that you tossed that in there. You're absolutely right. I mean, your friends are your the people that you choose in your free time to hang out with. That's that, right. That's a clear definition. So this is, these are the people that are not your fam, not those associates, but you are physically and mentally making that choice to call them, hang out, and you know do your leisure activities with or non-leisure activities that cross over. Maybe you and your friend go into business ventures together. Right? That's right. So I would consider you a very close personal friend, but you're also a business partner. We do business together. It doesn't mean we're not friends. It's just our interests match up to that degree. So that's in the friend circle. That's right. And I think I'm going to throw something in here that's a little bit of a controversial thought, but I think it's just important for people to keep in mind, which is that your family is also can be toxic to you. And you may at some point or another, and it may be your immediate family. Most often for most people, it's their extended family. They've got that aunt or uncle that's just always bringing them down or their cousin that they just don't get along with. I don't, I think it's important to consider them part of this discussion because there may or may not be those people you need to cut off ties with. Yeah. I'm going to kind of go into detail with that once we get into our structure. So that's good that you bring that up. So your friends are people that can dictate your mood, your money, how you look and how you behave. That's the four major things that I think your friends can dictate. Before I lay out the structure of this, I want to tell you a quick story. I wish that I would have taken this to heart because I feel like I didn't really audit my circle hardcore until about two years ago. I'm already 29 at this point without having audited my circle hard enough. And I was around people that I didn't really like. And this is what I'm spending my leisure time with, people that I did not think were, they were not good friends. Okay. Um, The statement best friend, if you really know who your best friend is, I think you can quickly ask yourself, who makes you best? Who makes you best? That's who your best friend's going to be. I remember just on the topic of best friends, I had this 
long-standing debate with a, a guy who I went to law school with. His name was Jason. And he had this very firm belief that you only had one best friend ever in your life. And I just think that's totally wrong. I mean, you have best friends in different facets of your life. So you have your elementary school best friend. You've got your high school best friend. You maybe have got your work best friend. But I think that I agree with you that your, your best, best friend should be the person that makes you the best. Exactly. That, that's your best friend. But I also agree that you're, I think your friends, you are always changing. You're always and you should be in a phase of growth. So you should be growing. Mm -hmm. And with that growth, you change. You should have different people that are magnetic for who you are at the time. So the direction that you're taking at that given time in your life. So I think that your best friends and you know your closest people can certainly evolve and directionally, they're going to work their way in and work their way out. The right people will find you. Although you often have to make an effort to seek the right people out because some people get sucked into toxic circles. We'll get into that a little bit, but that's that's can happen from time to time. Okay, so to tell you a quick story, I moved out here to Nashville. I cut a lot of my Baltimore ties. Okay, it's just that was my preference. So moving out here to Nashville was a fresh start in a lot of ways. And you moved out here too. Mm -hmm. uh, we we have kind of not really excommunicated from the old areas, but it was a total move, which gave me a chance to have that, that fresh audit. So like I said, this came later in life, but I looked back at the friendships that I had lost, the friendships that had changed, and I'm very glad for the shakeups that have happened. Now the first thing that I wanna bring up, as everything, science-based. We do our research for every one of these podcasts. This is no joke. This is our experience in our research. And I want to bring up a point of the law of averages. See, we have mirror neurons in our brains. If you hang with success-driven people, you're most likely going to be successful. If you hang with people that are not successful, you're most likely not going to be successful. Now, I want you to think about the science behind this. Think about children. How do children learn? They learn using instinctive mirror neurons. As they grow, they see how others walk. They see what a smile is, what a laugh is, and it connects using these mirror neurons. This is something that physiologically and psychologically is happening in our brains. This continues to happen throughout our life as we grow. So there's a lot of science-based elements going on when it comes to clicks. You know, you get different clicks. People that work out a lot, bodybuilders. They're going to mirror each other. They're going to make each other better by competing with each other and move up. I think that's right. I think that's right. I like the example of how do children learn because I think that's <clears throat> that's a very good one. It's it's sort of the same when you have a mentor, right? Like you're you're mirroring what they're doing. You're observing their actions. You're observing well, what works, what doesn't work. Not exactly. Not exactly. Because a mentor, you're actually seeking out to change yourself. So you're open to that. Now, obviously, you're mirroring off of them. But when I say mirror neurons... This is the part where people don't really notice that it's happening. Okay? I like that. Like how a child is, is brought up to walk and everything. Yeah, you're teaching, you teach the child to walk it to a certain point, but that child is mirroring a lot of things that they see, mm -hmm. the little things that you don't see. So you could be hanging with that click that is bad for you or good for you for that matter, and you're slowly picking up these little minor traits that are adding up to who you are. Okay. So what we're going to do here is now I'm going to break down something. This is powerful. I want you to actually use this exercise. And I want you to rank your friends. I'm going to give you a map here of the ranking of your friends and then the specific breakdown of the percentage of time that I think you should spend with them. This is big. You don't know my percentages yet, so I want to see if you agree with them, okay. all right? So this is going to be really cool for everybody. And I, I tell you right now, I've done this. My finances have gone up. My success has gone up. My impact has gone up using this structure along with a lot of other things. But I think that this has a big key into it. Ranking your friends. 
the A players, okay, I want you to keep this on a list of A, B, and C. Your A players are the people that are either at your level or higher than your level. You're going to throw them into the A category. So this is your colleagues that you want to learn from, your colleagues that you see doing well, your peers that you see doing well, people that have written books and things that you think are successful to what you want to become. At this point, you've already decided. I want to be successful in life. I want more money. I want to leave an impact here. Uh, whatever you define as success. So you want to find people that are moving up quick. And, and either, like I said, they're either at your level, significantly higher than you. You're going to rank them as A players. B players. B players are people that are below you, except they're coming up. They're, they're success driven. They actually might be able to offer you some things in different levels, but they are definitely under you in, in a ranking system here, okay? They're gonna get more from you than you're gonna get from them. And then we've got C friends, C players, okay? C players are the people that are not going to help you at all. They play the blame game. They are toxic to you, but the reason they're even on this list is because they're people that you grew up with. And there are people that you knew from back in the day that, you know, you don't want to cut those relationships completely out. And we talked about family earlier. I throw family into this category. Family can be A, B, or C. But if they're none, then they're going to be on the C, they're a C player in your life. Here's the ranking system. A players, you want to spend 70% of your time with. The bulk of it. And this is your leisure time, right? So this is the time you're not spending working. You want to try to link up and sync up with those A players. Most you can. B players. Okay, that's the ones that are coming up 20% of your time. Why do you want to spend any time with B players? You, can you guess why? Because they could become A players. If they're heading up. You're jumping ahead to my secret. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, they could become A players. Let me throw this out there right now. Any one of these players can shake up at any given time. The rarest thing will be an A player going down. Okay, it's, it's probably not going to happen because once someone breaks certain thresholds and gets certain discipline, they get addicted to that success and they're probably not going to go down. So Unless they burn out, which can happen to people when they become too successful and they can't handle the pressures of the success. I've seen that happen to a lot of people just in my own career of being an attorney. That can happen. It can happen if you're a celebrity and you just can't take the limelight anymore. So it can happen. It's rare. That's a good point. So B players, you want to spend 20% of your time with them because it's mentorship. When you mentor somebody, you are reinforcing the knowledge that you've learned. So it actually helps you a lot to be giving advice that you believe is strong enough and powerful, especially if you've built up a business operation, take fitness, for example. If I'm training someone under me and I'm bringing them up and I'm you know, really going hard, they're getting all the secrets. And let's say they even want to be a coach. Okay, I'm bringing that person up, then obviously... That person could be very useful to me just by reinforcing the, the systems that I'm teaching them. So there's a lot to be said for mentorship, but I put that marker at 20%. The C friends, I put this at 10% because obviously, you know, it's something to remember your roots. And these people might have been there for you, but they're not going to help you at all. In fact, Brian Tracy, I read a lot of his books. If you guys haven't checked out Brian Tracy, you know who he is? Mm -hmm. Okay, he's a master salesman, yeah, but he's very, very smart. He calls it loser slime. I like that. Yep. Mirror neurons, guys. That, that loser slime can rub back off on you. And it's a very hard thing to do to look at your original set, right, your original crew, and separate yourself from them because they're getting loser slime on you. It sucks to have to do that. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I actually am questioning the 10%, though. That seems really high unless you have a small group of friends. And so the, the ratios just shake out that way. And because you have a smaller group, it ends up being a higher percent. But... 
I think 10% is awfully high. I would say maybe three to five of that. I could be, I could be inclined to agree with that, but I've got some strong root connections and that's why I'm putting mine at 10%. Every other study that I've read on this, okay, ranks similarly and they all put this at 10% as well. Here's the deal. If you are good enough of a person, if you're a true leader in life, you might be able to, and I don't like to give up hope on people, you might be able to raise them up into a B range and then possibly an A range. You never know what can happen, okay? So that's why I don't particularly like to turn my back on people completely. So we're actually going to get into something really important, which is going to be the five ways of how to break Although before you do that, can I throw in something here? We're not jumping in there yet. I'm just letting everybody know that if you guys have these C players, we're going to be covering how to break it. But go ahead, throw throw in your point. And I think I want to offer, and this is just something that I thought of, I think it's important for people to have a way to distinguish between the A, B, and C players because I don't think it's necessarily all that obvious. If you're going just off one metric, like how much money somebody has, you could be capturing a lot of people that you think are C players, but are actually B or maybe even A players. So... I think it's important to sort of develop a, an, a way to audit your circle and a way to break people out into the categories that they should be falling into. And then one way to start doing You've got that, my attention. <laughs> one way to start doing that is to make a list for yourself of the 10 to 12 qualities that you would admire and look for in a friend. So it could be they're generous, they're intelligent, they're sympathetic, they are go-getters. It could be things that aren't necessarily the hard metrics, like how much money do they have or what's their job title or how many degrees do they have. Mm -hmm. But list out 10 to 12 things that you would really seek out and value in a friend. And after you do that, rank them. Just And this is just more for your own internal use than anything else. But rank them as to what's most important to you. And it's often helpful to get a sense or, or gut check as to what your values actually are because you may think, well, I love people who are generous. I love people who are, you know, open minded. But then if you rank that as a 10 on your list, that's just sort of eye-opening because you may may find out that what you think you value isn't actually as high up on your list as you may have pr- previously put it. Very, very true. You I like think, that? I th- yeah, I do. And I think people get kind of beat up by their friends. They get forced into these relationships with people they think are friends and they just, they let it, they let themselves get stuck in it. This is like a lot of things though. You know, they're in that job they hate and they just keep going. They just keep going because it can be hard. To actually admit, listen, this person doesn't match up the values that I have. Mm-hmm. This person should not be in my life. But you don't want to pull the trigger on, on ending that relationship. Like I said, I'm going to give you those five tips on how to do it. And these are very accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I think people get stuck into that thing. Now, I think, just to kind of piggyback on what you just said, I think if you're not sure if the person is toxic to you, if you really are like, well, are they really an A player? Are they really helping me? And it, yeah, you should not gauge that on, on money. You know, I should have said that in the beginning. It's not about money. It's, I think it's about what your actual goal is in life. You know, think about it, reverse engineer it on what you want to do, what you want to be, and then look at that friend and say, you know, cause, cause that person might be a starving artist and not offer you a cent or anything like that, not offer you any financial knowledge or any success knowledge, but they might offer you such great emotional support. They could be an A player. And that's exactly right. And I think it's important after you've figured out what your top traits are or top qualities in a friend, list out the friends. And again, this isn't the acquaintances. This isn't the people who you are sort of forced to interact with on a day-to-day basis. This is just the people you choose to interact with in your free time. But list them out and then put check marks. Every quality that they have, put another check mark next to that person. And you can sort of gauge where they fall on the spectrum. 
and ferret out who's really an A or a B or a C player. Mm -hmm. And if they're a C player, you may have a couple that make it in. But by and large, you need to cut those people. If they're if they're really oh, ranking yeah. low on your list and they got one or two checks, they're probably not worth your time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, another thing you can do is this is a little trick that I use. I think it's extremely important to read or to take in knowledge in any field, whatever you're trying to do. If you want to do a little soft test here, you can ask that person, hey, what if, what's the last book you read? What's the last couple articles you read? And if they immediately turn to you and say, oh, man, I haven't read a book in a year. I had a goal to read one. That person probably doesn't have much knowledge to offer you on any field. And, and I think that you got to watch for that. You really got to watch for that because to leeway into this, before we get into the five ways to break this, I want to quickly ask you how many friends do you think someone can have? Because I have a specific number and we're talking about the people that you're going to be spending this time with. Because I really can't stand it when somebody makes this claim that, oh, I have 50 friends, 50 close friends. Well, I friends. think the concept of friend has sort of gotten diluted because we have social media now. And so you've got Facebook friends, you've got Twitter followers, you've got Instagram fans, you've got all these different metrics for what your friends are. And a Facebook friend is qualitatively very different from the friend that you would call up and hang out with on a Saturday. Okay, so I'm talking about so, how many friends you would call up and hang out with yeah, on a Saturday. I would say maybe 7 to 10. Seven to ten, holy! I would say three to five. <laughs> well, I think up. those are really more your buddies. Those are the people that you would share everything with. Which but is that's I what think, we're talking about. Well, no, I think there's there's the people that are like I can I have one to maybe two close close friends that I share everything with, and then I have probably about five to seven friends that I would hang out with, but I wouldn't tell them. They wouldn't be the first people I would call if I had something I wanted to share. So this is kind of a good example. You know, we're talking about the circle, and you can already see. People have differences on and the research to gain for this was very hard because there's so much up for debate on how you have to hang with someone, how many you can possibly balance. But in my personal experience, I think that you can actually truly balance anywhere between three to five of really tight people in your circle, meaning that you're going to be able to give them emotional support, listen to their ideas. Because really, any one of these relationships, when you're calling someone your friend, is a give and take. Yeah, and I think that that gets so lost. I mean, I've had discussions about this with actually one of my very close friends um, was complaining about the fact that she constantly was texting one of her friends. Do you want to hang out? We, had, we need to catch up. And it was always a, a one-way street where she was constantly initiating. And I hear that so often, and I'm like, why would you continue to make the effort? I know that it's tough to let a relationship that's been longstanding go. But at the same time, that's so much energy and so much of a drain on your time to be continually, and not to mention it's very frustrating to feel like you're constantly making that effort and not getting any reciprocal feedback. Absolutely. No, I could not agree more with that. I mean, it's, it's so true. So, well, okay, so there's one more element of friendship, and this is a new introduction I want to introduce right now. I think that friendship, we talked about it. It's a give and take, relation, a close-knit relationship. I think that a group, a group could be your friend, like could cover that field, a group or a possible, you know, online mentor at this point. I really do think so. Is that because you privately mentor people, Ryan? Well, I've noticed that. I've noticed that working with people, they can kind of move up and become part of my inner circle. And I, them, I haven't even met this person, but I'm getting the same things that a friend would get, right? So I feel like a group or mentor in a way, like for example, you know, some of the groups that we're in and stuff, I feel like that can fill that friendship void because we are in an evolving we're in a fast evolving 
society where the internet has made a big bulk of how we're spending our time. And we have to adapt to that. I don't think you shun that, you know, but you have to adapt to that. So I think just like you should audit your friends, another element to think about, audit your groups. Someone's trying to bullshit you all the time, sell you one shit all the time. Think about that, right? Because, I mean, I'm in a lot of groups where people are always, they seem genuine, but then they're ready to hit you with some bullshit supplement, for example, in the fitness realm, in the business realm, trying to sell you on a course that they know you already are higher in, right? I think we have to, just like auditing the friends, and it fills that exact pillar, you have to audit which people online you're spending your time with. I think that's right. And I think there's a lot to be said for, and I won't get into the whole fake news and sharing things online bit because I could rant about that for days. I think there's a lot to be said about online influence and the people that you hang out with online and where you're getting your information online is just as important as the people you're hanging out with just on a Saturday. As you were listening to this, it's happened to me a couple times in my head. You're wondering how to break the relationship without looking bad, without any bad blood, without creating an enemy. How do you break that relationship? And this is something I have a really hard time with just personally because I am pretty passive and I don't like to ruffle feathers. I don't like to hurt people. She's I'm been trying sort of... to break our friendship for years. But I just keep <laughs> that is blatant lies. <laughs> lies, I tell you. Um, no, but really, I, I think a lot of people struggle with this. So I'm anxious to hear what you have to say about this. Okay. I've laid it out. The five keys. You're really going to like this. The first key is to focus on your goal, on your niche or on your vision and that relationship will fade. I think this is the most obvious, but it's very hard to do. Now, what, what I mean by that is say no, right? So if you are busy, if you, uh, let's say you want to build a, let's just use a supplement company. You want to build a supplement company. You don't know anything about it and you want to build one. You've got a lot of R&D, research and development that needs to take place. You've got a lot of nights where you're not going to be available. It's just you, you physically can't do it. So when that person that you know is you know a C or lower, shouldn't be on the map for you, you need to tell them, hey, listen, I, I just can't do it. I have this boom. And then give them an example of what you're doing. And one thing that I have learned that goes right to that is it's so much easier and better in the long run if you say no up front rather than saying, oh, I'll try to be there or yeah, I'll be there. And then later you're like, I can't go. I fist pumped at Kate. I fist pumped at her. <laughs> Dead on the money. It's so much more effort on the back end to have to figure out how to get out of it. Be direct. Do not do the thing where you say, maybe next time, or let's, let's get up later. I have this thing going on right now. Don't do that. Be direct and say, I can't hang out. And then you're doing X. You're reviewing 10 blogs on supplement companies. Okay. That's what you need to do and stay toward that goal. And obviously you're going to push them out. And this is a totally honest way to do it. You're pushing them out because you have a bigger thing to do. This has been my biggest thing. I am constantly working. Kate Kate and I work all the time. So if we're working on something, obviously I'm not available. Not to mention you add bodybuilding in the realm, you add any type of fitness in the realm. And I'm pretty much useless to hang out after leg days and everything else that I've got going on. I can barely muster the strength to finish my two and a half hours reading per day, right? So I've got a lot going on. So they will basically phase themselves out here. This is a very important thing. Now, the number two way that's just going to kind of fall into place here is don't apologize. Never apologize. If you apologize, you are keeping that bridge open for them to keep walking all over you and walk back in your life. Don't say, hey, look, I'm sorry I missed your call three times. I'm sorry. It's a very, very bad thing to do. It makes you weak and also reinforces negativity on your behalf mentally, whether or not you want to know this or not, just like the mirror neurons work. If you keep apologizing for your unavailability to this person or people, 
or click, whatever it is, you are going to fall into this dirty little habit, not even on your own doing, it's unbeknownst to you, that you're going to feel guilty. And that guilt is going to basically turn into a cloud over you and you may weaken that willpower. So do not apologize. Would you apologize? I may have once or twice. <laughs> All right, I got you. She's so nice. She's way too <laughs> nice. Um, okay, let's move on to the next one. That's a, that's a good tip though, isn't it? Okay. Not to apologize, mm-hmm. you don't fall back. The third thing, do not argue. You're following your passion. You're going into creating that supplement company. You're researching everything you can. You find out what white labels are, all of those things under the realm of that. The person says, that's a dumb idea. You automatically are going to feel challenged. And this is something that friends will do to you all the time, especially in the C range. They'll argue with you and they'll kind of uh, knock your goal or whatever it is. And you feel like you have to throw your flag down and, you know, ante up your courage at that point and get into a little battle with them. They're stealing your energy at that point and you're associating with them. You constantly at this point want to prove to them that you are doing the right thing with this supplement company, right? You feel like that you now have a mission to prove to them. Do it for you, okay? You're not doing it for them. So arguing with them actually can give them more fire sometimes than even hanging out with that person. They're not around you, but they're stealing your fire and your focus. I like that. Like don't argue? Mm -hmm. Number four, create physical distance. This Ooh, one, this is my favorite. <laughs> As a passive one, person, this is my favorite. Physical distance, there's a couple ways to do it. Obviously, you, know, you don't make yourself available. You move. You move. Um, I've moved to Nashville. We just talked about that. I created the physical distance so that even if I had some B players over there that I wanted to chill with, I can't do it. A players, I'm going to try everything I can to make time with that. And I Skype with my A players. Some of my A players are completely out of state. But, you know, that's how it works. You create that physical dif- distance. And for me, manifest destiny. That's it, baby. What do you think about manifest destiny? You know what that is? Uh, I know what my version of it is, but tell me what your version of it is. Well, it's, it's a definition. It's moving to the West Coast. It's well, yeah, but I've heard us. people use that as euphemisms for other things. Well, you absolutely can. But for me, I'm using it verbatim here. Get to the West Coast, right? So that's, that's just the dream. And I think, just, you know, creating that physical distance is just the natural evolution of life as I'm aging. I'm going for bigger things. This will tie in the whole conversation that I'm very focused, much like, you know, a horse with the blinders. I'm heading towards my goal. If they're with me, if that circle's rolling with me, they're going to, you know, do what they got to do to keep up with me or I'm going to find other people to fill that. I'm just, I'm moving ahead like a powerful train, shoveling that coal in towards my goal. Nothing's going to stop me. So that's how I've naturally been able to audit my circle. You were going to say something. I like it. No, I think that this works well too for you. Even if there are people that you want to preserve the relationship with, but you, you just don't have the time to hang out with them. I think this keeping your distance works well as to certain offers. So for example, like social events, I had a job where there was a social event pretty much every week. It was a happy hour. It was a sort of Saturday. Let's all go to a movie. Let's all go to a baseball game. There was endless amounts of social events. And I had other things that I wanted to accomplish when I wasn't at work. And so I would often not go. Um, But I had a lot of guilt about that at first. And so I talked to one of my supervisors who also didn't go to these things very often. I said, should I feel self-conscious about this? Should I worry about the fact that I'm not showing up? And he's like, no, eventually they'll just stop expecting you to come. They'll know that you've got other things going on. They'll still like you. They'll still know you're a hard worker, but they're not going to have that expectation of you. And that's exactly what you want. And I think that- You don't want to give people the expectation. Yeah. Too many people (laughs) do that. They give people the expectation by violating, you know, these five. That's a good point. Cool. I dig that. All right. So create physical dif- distance. That's like a surefire way to do it. Now, the number five. This one, <laughs> this one's great. This one can work like magic towards even those associates you don't like at work. It's a little secret of mine. 
you find what they hate, what they absolutely despise, and not because they're envious of it, but they really don't like it. And you become a fan of it. Okay, here's a story. I cannot stand, do you remember this when we had that building over there mm-hmm. on Jefferson? I cannot stand at all Grease music, rockabilly. Is that what it is? It's rockabilly. It's just like nails on a chalkboard for me, <laughs> right? Remember? Yeah. So I can't stand this stuff, right? What, do you, what music do you hate, by the way? Just like, can't uh, take it. I feel like it's rap. I, when I, I put hate my to rap say on. this. No, I, I don't mind your rap. I mean, some of your some of your picks are a little questionable, but for the most part, I mean, I hate to say this because I live in Nashville, but I'm not a huge country fan. Get out. <laughs> I feel like, like I'm like. A, I know she doesn't like country. <laughs> Every time you know we'll drive by at the bars or we have to go out like for meetings out there, she hates it. I feel like the only country I like is pop country, and that's not country. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. That is horrible. I don't like pop country. But grease music, rockabilly, just for whatever reason, it just it sends like uh, it's nails on a chalkboard for me. So I found out that a tenant in the office space we were leasing could not stand rockabilly. And I would have put him at a B. I would put him in the B rank first, remember? Mm-hmm. So I would put him in the B rank first. But here's the thing. I played Rockabilly every time he came around. And after those first two songs, I mean, it was excruciating for me. But, you know, two and a half minutes of Rockabilly to have him not be around and distract us all day with, you know. And the, the main reason I, don't, I didn't like him, because I, I, I actually view everybody as a friend until they give you reason not to be. I, think I like that. that. I've always been that way. Ever since high school, I was that way. So, honestly... The main reason I did not like him is because he was a talker. He never put anything Oof. into action. So remember, because he was always yeah. like talking big on the sales game. Um, and, and he was one of those guys that he made money off commission only. So you just kind of knew, you know, he wasn't making anything. You, you didn't know up front, but later you found that out. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't like talkers. I've never been about talkers. I like people that back it up with action. So I like action takers like Kate over here. <laughs> and that's how I, how I build my circle. So yeah, so that's, that's the five. Can you I think like of any it. other? Did I leave any out? No, I think that's a pretty solid list. Pretty straightforward. You got to get those toxic people out. Got to get them out like now. I think Kate made a really good point though. Choose the qualities. List them out. You know, pick. The, she said pick the 10 qualities, but I think you can pick the top five, five qualities that that person has and then list that out. List that pro and con out. Because even in the good people, even in the people that um, are in your inner circle and you know you consider them A players, they're probably going to have a few negatives few cons. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the anything. cons can outweigh the positive. So if you have somebody who's really selfish and not a nice person, but is successful and has done well for themselves, they still might not be a good influence for you. You may have better people that you can prioritize and yeah. spend your time with. Exactly. So now let's get to the big takeaway. You want to go first? No, I've got this a, was your presentation. You can go first. All right. I got a big one on my sleeve. Here is a good reference. What is our most important asset? Our most important asset. What is it? Our time. Our time. Perfect. She hit it right on the head. Didn't even flinch with that one. Our time is our most important element. What would you rather have? A hundred pennies or four quarters? They represent your time. Obviously, the four quarters is going to fit nice into your pocket. It's going to be easier to keep track of. It's going to be easier to pay with things, easier to handle on every aspect. And those hundred pennies are going to weigh you down. You're more likely to take those hundred pennies out of your pocket and trash them before you spend them. But people won't do it. They'll hold on to those pennies, even though it's holding them back. Think about that figuratively and physically, actually putting these things in your pocket. I think that you need to cultivate and bring up the three to five range of great people. Make them A players, sparely make them those C players, and then have one or two B players in there. I like it. I like it. It's a good takeaway. It's a good reference, honestly, because it, it, 
I think it covers all grounds of what we just discussed to some point or the other. Mm -hmm. I agree. Love I'm it. ready to hear your big takeaway. Can't wait. <laughs> My big takeaway is a little bit broader. It's I think people need to have a little bit of a paradigm shift about this issue because if you go in your closet, I mean, people do this all the time where they go in and they see a ton of shirts that they never wear or a ton of pairs of pants that they never wear and they throw that stuff in bags and they bring it to Salvation Army. They get rid of it. Or if they have boxes around the house that they're not using they go and put them out by the trash bin and let the guy the trash guy take them so I think you need to look at your social circle the same way if you have clutter around you don't hesitate to get rid of it for the most part I mean there are some hoarders out there I know that I mean I, I have think there's a good point here if you are a person that has a problem with it maybe that's infecting other areas of your life you can't get rid of those clothes I think you need to treat them all alike and not be hesitant about getting rid of the what I call people clutter. I actually heard that term used the other day Damn, and I, I liked like it. it. I like um, it. I've never heard it's it. It's very apropos of sort of the situation when you have too many people in your life and you feel like you're you're spreading yourself really thin but you're not getting a whole lot of quality at it out of it. So I think that just, you know, treating it like you would your clothes or the the junk you got laying around your house can be a very powerful thing. That's pretty cool actually to really dig that because it it makes it very transparent. Easy to understand. It does. Great episode of Success Convo. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for downloading. We greatly appreciate it. Not only that, it's a discussion. We're doing this because we want to engage with people. We want to bring you guys the best possible podcast experience that we can give you. And just a little side note, the reason this podcast started. Do you remember what it was? I do. I had been sitting back and I said, you know, we, we had these conversations that are hours long. And I said, Kate, we need to bring this to other people because it's funny. We have, to be frank, we've made a lot of money, a lot of good decisions, some bad decisions, but it's always predicated on these long conversations that we have, these drawn out, you know, sometimes they're battles, sometimes they fit like a puzzle piece. But these conversations made up the bulk of, honestly, our success over the past couple of years, allowing mm -hmm. us to do what we want to do. And that's the real reason why we started Success. Combo. Yeah. I didn't want to keep this anymore to ourselves. And so. I'm glad we did it. It's been a great decision. We've gotten some wonderful feedback that's been very encouraging. I'm glad it's helping a lot of people. So we will see you on the next episode of Success Combo.